All right, so BSAC. I BSAC. Actually, I went through BSAC. What'd you do? I had to go through BSAC when I was in Cyprus because I was on a British base. Oh. And they control all scuba activities. And it was, so when I was training, it had to be BSAC, thumbs up. Fortunately, my instructor was BSAC qualified. There you go. Yeah. So that's when I became acquainted with the British Sub Aqua Club. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. So bravo, mates. Hang on, hang on. So, is this is this show about diving or is it about <laughs> nonsense talk? <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. You're here for the beginning of the third year, right? The first first week into the third year. Can't believe it's uh, going at th- three years. Can't believe it's been two years. Went quick. Went real quick. I have nothing to say. I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other thing on the news this morning. Down in Texas, rodeo. The carnies set up this ride, like the zipper kind of thing. Well, it got stuck seventy feet high, and like it goes up one side, so you're on your back facing up, and it gets stuck. That's fine. But on the other side, you're coming down, and you're you're stuck facing down, hung. The only thing strapping you in there is that little waist safety belt, like from the 1950s, from a car that nobody used, right? You remember right. those? Safety yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's great if you got the force of, of Gra- the speed, <laughs> speed <laughs> yes, exactly. pinning you into the back of the seat. But when it stops. stops for eight minutes, they were stuck there for eight minutes. It may, it may be a little nerve-wracking. I, I remember going to the carnival as a kid, and uh, the, the carny locked me into the scrambler, the one that's yeah. just like, whoosh, yeah. Whoosh, yeah. Whoosh, yeah. Well, he starts the ride up. And it goes does about does about three passes. Yeah. And ooh, it stops. And he walks over and locks my door. <laughs> Whoopsie! <laughs> Did he see you like flying around like the door just? I just like you know that moment where your your life just uh-huh. goes. Like, yeah. Holy shit. Did I just die? I was, you know, when they brought up the Carney thing, because they were talking like, oh, a Carney at a rodeo? That's like double. It's like, you know, stoner squared kind of thing, maybe, you know. Anyway, do you remember? I just recall as a kid, man, you go to a Carney, a carnival, and it was taking your life in your own hands, basically, right? <laughs> oh, the right. guys working, the guys working the, the rides. And I had like the epic epitome iconic ride operator guy once doing the Matterhorn, right? Oh, oh the Matterhorn. Hair down to, you know, way past the shoulders. Just, you know, gruff looking. Stoner, like his eyes were half open. He's walking. 
wearing that coverall that's all torn up and boots through the mud and walks over and, and uh, journey wheel in the skies playing, you know, over and over and over. And the Matterhorn, you jump on it, you're like, this is going to be great. You oh, know, that's, that's like, that, like back in the <laughs> Back in the eighties, that was uh, that's how you courted a woman. Was you went uh, to the Matterhorn? You on the Matterhorn, yeah. Uh, and every time Wheel in the Sky comes on, that boom, I got the image of the Carney, the stoner, iconic Carney dude, and uh, and the Matterhorn. It's an awesome image. I mean, it is awesome. It's something like it's out of a book, actually, or a, a movie that you would see. You'd be like. Oh, yeah. They would just bring a flashback. Loved every second of it. I remember getting onto the rotor. Now, you remember the rotor where the floor drops out? It spins. Oh, see, and then the floor a, drops out. When and I was a kid, sideways. they called that the Gravitron. Gravitron, yeah. Well, they had to make it a little more sci-fi. But back, the best they could do back in the uh, 70s was rotor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember. But the floor dropped out. I remember getting on there. I was the littlest kid in the whole on the whole ride, right? Now, the rotor you got into it was like a drum, a black rubber wall and a drum. And it was like probably 14 feet high. It, it was basically got into, it looked like, a, well, it'd be like a coffee cup, no handle on it. And you're inside the cup, right? That's how it is inside. And you're like staring across. Maybe 12 feet diameter. So you're looking. So like if somebody throws up, you're going to. Oh, it's gonna like yeah. usually gets thrown against the wall next to your head if people throw up because they were throwing up a lot because it spins fast and it's the centrifugal force of course holds you against the wall and the and the and vomit then, against your throat <laughs> and you asphyxiate. But I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what's going on. My my quote unquote we call them cousins, but they were really friends in the right, family, yeah, right? Yep. They're old. They're all like fifteen and sixteen. And I was the littlest person on there. And I remember all these stoner people are like, That guy's gonna puke, you know. He's gonna puke all over the place. You sit you stand by him. So I'm by myself. I'm, I don't even know what the ride is. I don't <laughs> I didn't see anything. I couldn't see over. I couldn't I'm getting on there, it starts spinning, and I'm like, Okay, cool. And then uh, it's spinning faster and faster and faster. I'm like, oh, this is pretty, you know, cool. He said, and then the floor drops out. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) 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 And the thing is, if you got a lot of weight, you're good because it presses you more against the wall. As a light person, you start slipping down. Oh, man. I know. I'm so much and everybody else. I'm like, and the floor is way down there. I'm thinking... Am I going to fly out the bottom or something? <laughs> and I'm slipping, slipping. I'm the only one down like a foot lower than everybody. Anyway, ah, good times. Anybody die that day? <laughs> I should have. But actually, I got off it. I was like, that is the coolest ride because you did stick you against the wall. And I took my, you know, when my kid, when I had my own kids, I'm like, go on the road or it's cool, man. It was nothing to them. It was right. like no big deal. And then that that roundup one is is like a giant rotor minus. I mean, you're in your little thing. You can hold on to the sides. You can hold on. You're in yeah, a the cage. Gravitron, the gravitron was like a spaceship. Yeah, okay, it looked like like a flying yeah, yeah, saucer. Yeah, yeah. Same and, thing though, right? You know, it, 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 you're on a you're on a board like a padded board, mm. and then as it got going, all yeah. the boards would like slide up. Okay. Oh so yeah, that's how, yeah. That's how that was floor, a little more advanced. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's how the floor. Yeah, fell this away. was just a rubber. Like rubber matting, like you'd have. But on the that floor. was it too. That was like where all the cool kids, yeah, got in line for the the gravitron, yeah. the salt and pepper shakers went up and down. Oh and yeah, 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 yeah. You'd watch, uh, you'd watch the kids get off that and walk right to the <laughs> right to the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only one I ever remotely. But nobody, got... di- but nobody, rarely did people die. You know why? Because you know, you, you might not know this, but I worked at a carnival one year. I. 
Actually, two years. Color me not surprised. <laughs> I was uh, I was the balloon kid in the uh, oh wow. in the the darts where you threw yeah, okay. the darts against the yeah. balloons. Yeah, and you got you the, had to go in and replace you got the cool them. like rock album. Rock mm-hmm. album, uh, uh, yeah. Mir- mirrors. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Remember that back in the day? Yeah, I do remember those. And I got to, I got to work. You'll get this. I got to work all weekend. Yeah, for free. All the <laughs> balloons I wanted to pop myself, and I got a free mirror at the end of the weekend. Nice. Boy, you made out like a bandit. <laughs> <laughs> Is that I mean, where you gained your business, savvy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't. That's why I don't do the books for the TGDP. Hey, we're, we're hemorrhaging money. We're hemorrhaging money, James. But I got this cool mirror. <laughs> but, but look, somebody we sent a us mirror. a mirror. It's a diving mirror. Well, hey, listen. Speaking of incidents and accidents and fatalities at the yeah. carnival. Good segue. BSAC. <laughs> BSAC. It's come out with their. Dive with us, BSAC says. Hell yeah. So, um,. You're an old BSAC man. Why don't you remind everybody uh, who BSAC is? They're, they are the uh, British Sub Aqua Club. So over in Great Britain, at least back in the day when I was learning scuba, Great Britain controls their diving a lot more than like the United States, who's the just go- willy-nilly. The government does. The government has a hand in it. In, the, in other words, they have uh, regulations and whatnot. And you have to have a BSAC license, as they call it, to uh, dive uh in any British, back in the day, you needed it to uh, dive in a British area. Whereas over here, it's just a, you just start up a scuba company, right? As a business, right? It's, well, it's, Florida, it's, it's really... Florida's got their freaking hands on. So, you know, you got to go get the Florida uh, permit to teach. Well, if you want to teach in yes in the uh, state parks and stuff, yeah, right. I think that might may be the way BSAC works too. Is it's in regard to teaching. But we had to. We were diving on a British base, and the, the BSEC controlled the uh, the water there that was on the British base. Well, there you so go. we had to go go through the BSEC people, and my instructor was BSEC qualified, so I was good. So last year we did the Dan incident report. That, that goddamn report. <laughs> we did the goddamn accident report for uh, last year, and we went into uh, into depth with with that one. And uh, we decided this year we were going to kind of take a peek at the the old BSAC one from across the pond. Because British British accidents are a lot more proper, and they sound better. Well, they're generally they have a better uh, reading a newspaper. While the, they're uh, while the more well spoken. The accident is more well spoken. I'm running out of air. <laughs> Heading to the surface. <laughs> I'm drop, off to the surface, mate. Gotta drop me weighties. <laughs> Off to the surface, matey. For a spot of tea you, on the way, mate. Could you give me a little bit of the CPR? <laughs> could you spare a little air, mate? <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go through this overview of the old BSAC report. And just to remind everyone, our, our, our format, our MO, if you will, is... Uh, James does a lot of research. He likes to read a lot of these things. And I just come in cold. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's new for me. Well, you're going to love this stuff. Although I have done a couple of readings yes, you occasionally. Have, you have, so I'm not completely a moron. But but for the most part, old James uh, does the 
the heavy lifting on these things. And I'm just the entertainment. I'm the joke. <laughs> You're the color commentator. I'm the foil. Is it called the foil in a comedy team? One's, one's, uh, one's the straight man, one's the foil kind of thing. So the BSAC reports annually, they say, on the diving incidents in the U.K., as part of its role as a national governing body for the sport in the UK. The BSAC incident report has been gathering data on recreational diving incidents for over 50 years. 50 years. So, yeah, they are a government board. Yes. Well, the government's in a lot of things over there. To include TV, you know, you need a license to have a TV over there. When interpreting the BSAC <laughs> incident report, it is important to understand the parameters under which the report is prepared. Firstly, from 1972, the BSAC has not recorded incidents which are commercial, such as incidents involving professional scallop fishermen or operational work dives and harbors. It does, however, include all recreational instruction dives, even when commercial in nature. Right. Do you understand you're that? You're still making a buck teaching, but it's not a uh, commercial job. In other words, you're not working underwater per se, right? You're not oiled rig work diving or you're not working in the harbor you're a uh, scooby-doo you're scooby-doo as we used to call them yes i love that (laughs) mindset scooby-doos so secondly although operational changes last year meant that we did not receive rnli data in time which is the royal national lifeboat institution right that's a coast guard-esque coasties they're like our coasties Uh, In time for the 2017 report, we have now received that data, and these are now reflected in the data for 2017 and the data for 2018. And thirdly, you need to know that the data reported in these graphs, unless otherwise stated, is for UK-based diving involving all diving affiliations and not just BSAC. True. So meaning like if you're a paddy diver and you're overdiving in Mm -hmm. there, that information is going to be in there. True. So basically, it's in their territories. Recreational scuba diving, whether instruction or not, in their territories. Correct. Whereas the Dan report is worldwide, is, is isn't worldwide. it? Yeah. And, and that's why I think it takes longer for the Dan reports to come out. Yeah, you, so much more information. Yeah, coming out. you're gathering data from a lot of a lot of places, and I, but you also have to go. You know, by no means. Is this like comprehensive in the sense of this is everything that ever happens? There's so much that doesn't get reported, right? Correct. There's so many close calls. Correct. I mean, that's and that's the thing that we talk about a lot. So a lot of the a lot of the shit that goes on never makes it to a report. No, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, it, thank it, God, it it barely makes it to the to the dive shop fill, right. fill station when you're talking. Holy shit, man! Yeah. I dive last night, man. Whoa. And, and that's the thing, that when the agencies are, are going off about, look at our statistics. Well, your statistics don't show all the near misses. And thankfully, diving is, is somewhat forgiving. Actually, obviously, it's, it's very forgiving from being in the field and working at the shop. And James will tell you. Oh, and just you, like the hear, stories. hearing the stories. That or come just in. seeing the shit that we see when we're out on and a chart. I would say that for every one incident that's reported here, there's a hundred of them oh, that, that go unreported easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're exaggerating too much there. That's that's about the truth of it. We have made a number of changes to the way the data is presented in this report. Choosing to compare the current incident year with the average of the previous five years. The justification for this is evident when looking at figure one in which it can be seen that the overall number of reported incidents has remained relatively static over the previous five years. 
Okay, so. So there's roughly X amount of stupidity happening, and that's continuing on. As far as, yeah, as far as actual incidents happening, right? Yeah, yeah. Which makes you wonder. I shouldn't say stupidity, but a lot of times it is. Legitimately, you know, a lot of times it's just your card getting pulled too, like we talked about before. And we're also looking at hindsight. And hindsight's always 20, 20, you know, it's easy to place all the blame factors or whatever. It's easy to look at something in hindsight and go, oh, this is what happened and this is what happened. With that being said, really... You know, we're, we start talking about old Gareth's book that just came out, that Under Pressure book, which right. is awesome, awesome book. Really goes in depth into, you know, take that hindsight away and take away this blame factor. And let's look at what's really causing accidents. Let's look at the human factor, the decision making, the uh, just being a, a human being brings along its own uh, inherent mistakes right you're going to make mistakes that's what we do that's just part of being a human being i like the fact that we have to build that into our system and learn how to fail safely and that's what he talks about and that's what i i I look at it and i read the read the book you know i've read the book and it's like well this this really is getting to the root of it without blaming people you know and that's what in, he, a way, he says, in a way that yeah. uh, most people generally yeah, just tend looking to for do. blame. Yeah. yeah, you're just looking for a finger to point like he did something wrong, and and perhaps that is the case, but that doesn't help anything. In other words, it doesn't allow us to move on and, and learn, learn. Yeah, learn right. from it. I'm with you there. So. Yeah, it's like um, you know how many times do people out there not fill up their gas tank on their car and mm-hmm. then get up in the morning and uh, you're rushing to work mm-hmm. and then you realize shit, I never got gas. Or if, and, you, or if uh, your kids drove it the and night then before, the kids or something like that, or and then you, yeah. uh, your your mind wanders off and you miss your exit on the highway. I mean, mm-hmm. little things like that, which right. when, you're, when you're just on land as a human, mm-hmm. man, it's inconvenient. But when you go diving underwater, yeah, it can snowball, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that's almost always every every accident isn't one mistake; it's a series of of mistakes and it's a series of errors and. They snowball into a fatality or an injury, and uh, yeah, so it's good to look at them, see how they begin. Yeah, rarely. And maybe that's where you nail it, right? Rarely is it, boy. If I only wouldn't have ascended too fast. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> it's what, not that. It was the fact that you hadn't. You had a crappy piece of equipment. You didn't know how to operate. You never practiced uh, disconnecting your low pressure inflator when you had a free flow on it. You didn't get your stuff serviced. You're in cold water. All those things play a factor, and probably at the biggest root of it is you didn't practice or train, in my humble opinion. I mean, right? I would certainly uh, yeah. be one to concur with you right? on that. You'd wave that banner. Oh, yeah. yeah. 2018 has seen 251 valid incidents, of which 215 involve UK diving. This number is consistent with the number of incidents reported over the last five years and represents a plateauing in the level of reports. Consistent with trend over recent years, we do not see a peak in the number of incidents in the early spring, which in the past was interpreted to be coincident with divers returning to diving after a break over the winter. Instead, we now see a smaller rise in April, followed by a consistent number of 30 to 50 incidents per month in May through to September, like okay. peak diving mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah. Right? So water's warming up, everybody's getting in the mm-hmm. water, so it would make sense 
that that's when you're going to see the local right. diving accidents start to occur. Right. More divers equals more diving incidents. Yeah. Like there's more accidents in the morning in rush hour and in the afternoon in rush hour than there is in the yeah. middle of the night when nothing's going on on the roads. Yeah. I don't think you have to be too much of a genius to get that. The incident database assigns all incidents into one of eight major categories. Now, their categories that they have in this little graph here are by ascents, boat and shore are together, DCI, equipment problems, facility issues, injuries, miscellaneous, and technique. Now, they say, unfortunately, due to insufficient detail, it is not always possible to allocate every incident to an accurate attributable factor. And in 2018, there were fewer DCI incidents, 45, than the average number of incidents reported over the last five years. The number of incidents attributed to ascents is comparable with previous years. The ascent category involves incidents where divers have made an abnormal ascent but avoided DCI or other injuries. Okay. The largest category is illness or injury, which includes unidentified illnesses with 51 incidents reported. The last category to be mentioned specifically is fatalities. And although the numbers are relatively small, it is, of course, the most serious. Okay, so let's look at some incidents by depth. Where do you think the majority of the, uh, just being as you're coming in cold, where are the incidents going to come 10 in? 10 to 20 meters. Ooh. Shallow water, you think you're going to be the, mm-hmm. well, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty intuitive of you. Old wise brat. <laughs> Been doing this a little why while. You, so why would you? Why would you think you would think? Well, that? I look at the level of the diver. Probably having the incident is probably newer. I look at uh, they're probably not diving often, so they're not going to jump into you know hundred feet of water. They're going to jump into thirty to sixty feet of water. Now keep in mind, BSAC gives you a deeper. Yes, maximum, yes. Maximum yeah, depths yeah, right yeah. off the get-go than does the American system. Right. Do you, did we ever cover the topic of why they chose 130 feet for... We did. Uh, yeah, we we did. did. Yeah, oh, okay. Do you even, yeah, we did. Do you, do you even, even, even TGDP, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> the pattern of the maximum depth of a dive on which an incident was recorded... Or was the dive that gave rise to an incident is probably a reflection of the amount of diving that takes place in these depth ranges. Hello, of course, right? The recommended limit for divers trained to sports diver standard is 35 millimeters. Meters. Or, yeah. 35 is, millimeters. <laughs> I, saw, I saw the 35 M and immediately 35 millimeter camera. Popped in <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Dude. Well, I'm, I'm old. Know, I'm old. Photograph-esque here. Like, uh, who who thinks of a 35 millimeter? Well, old Jamesy is. I think underneath it all, he is. He wants to be a. He wants to get into photography. I know he does. I see how he looks at cameras. I see, and he's got a good eye. I always say, Jamesy, get a goddamn camera. Start taking care of business. Incidents do not always occur at the deepest point of the dive. Figure six shows the depths at which the incidents had started. The data shown in figure six reflects the situation that many incidents start during the ascent or at the surface. Mm-hmm. And that's because that, that's where you're dealing with the problem and dealing with the rescue, right? right? The, the, the ascent part is kind of run away and uncontrolled. For the most part, yeah. 
And that's to bring back the thing that Gareth pointed out in that book was a lot of the incident reports, the big thing that you're missing is the context. In other words, you're getting the facts of the dive itself, maybe even getting ready for the dive. But what you're not getting is maybe the mental state of the person. Maybe they have had a rough week. Maybe physically they're over, you know, just coming over illness. Who knows? There's a lot of context that doesn't get included in these these accident statistics and reports. So you're not getting the whole picture. Yeah, you're a, a lot of times it's you're getting a, the, the fact that a diver, you know, died on a cold water right. dive. Um, right. Cause of, cause of death, drowning due to cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. You don't get the the story of the the diver being fifty eight years old, you overweight. Yeah. yeah, but how did yeah? Um, Ill fitting gear, mm-hmm. rental. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Right? You, you don't get all that stuff right. a lot of times. Right. A significant portion of these are the DCI cases where almost always symptoms present when the casualty is out of the water. Other surface incidents involve boats and boating incidents and divers who are lost but on the surface. Right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's not always happening underwater per se. Correct. Diver qualifications. Uh, figures 7 and 8 in this report show the qualification of those BSAC members who were involved in reported incidents uh it's important to acknowledge that the data gathers not only those who were subjects of the incident but also those involved in the rescue these data are in line with normal pattern of previous years and are thought to reflect the number of active divers in these qualification grades let me ask you something though so it appears like not a whole lot has changed right i mean they keep saying this is on this is the same as in previous years so the whole point of these reports, and this is something, you know, in, in the service we would do, we would get a, an analysis. If you s- keep getting, this is an analysis of everything going wrong, and we do it for years and years and years, and it's pretty much the same every year. I, I mean, I'd be getting it's chewed it, up well, one side and down the other. And like, well, Yeah, you would say that, well, it's obvious that this, we this part needs to get fixed. Yeah. Right, and when we look at the, the qualifications of the divers involved in the incident, you know, they divide it by snorkeler, trainee, ocean diver, sports diver, boom. Meaning now yeah. you're actually certified. Yeah. Boom, the, the, the problems go way up. up dramatically. Well, yeah. You you, uh, <laughs> you extend the range of their depth and then you give them a bunch of equipment to go and basically it's life support equipment that needs to be maintained. You need to be able to use it. So it's a lot more, there's more complexity to the, the whole situation. So yeah. Yeah, so, Stands then, to reason. so throughout like sports diver, dive leader, advanced diver, those that's where the incidents are high, mm. but, but that's probably because that's where people are starting to really gain a lot more activity. So right. they're doing a larger number of dives. So sure, it, it makes sense that the likelihood that they're going to have an issue goes up. Until and you're you, going in. Until you hit a point of being highly, highly active. Right. right? And, and then a it starts lot to of come training, down. And then it drops mm. down again because right. you're more skilled and practiced. Bingo. Yeah. Bam. Well, just again, it, it just stands to reason your environment, the risk entailed in the more complex environment, I guess you'd call it, uh, it should equal more incidents. You shouldn't, you know, I'm snorkeling to I'm scuba diving. Snorkeling shouldn't be even close to the amount of scuba diving incidents. 
especially percentage rates. Yeah, you know a great way to never get in a car accident? So you don't ride. Right. It's like, <laughs> as a bike rider, I never got in a car accident. There's a few, very few bike riders who are in car accidents. Yeah. You know how may you, be uh, hit by a car, but... You know how you never crash into a tree uh, on a bicycle? <laughs> you, don't, you don't drive by, by trees. <laughs> you don't ride bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very few walkers crash into t- trees on their bike. Correct. That's my point. Because yeah, yeah. they're walking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the involvement of each grade of instructor in incidents is probably a reflection of both the number of instructors with that qualification and the activity levels of these instructors. Uh, meaning, you know, once again, the uh, when you're just a uh, when you're just teaching snorkeling, you're rarely having you're rarely right. having a, a, a scuba accident that yeah. shows up. Right? There's very few scuba accidents uh, in, in the snorkeling class, so we're we're happy about that. But the, those have been on the decrease. But they do <laughs> pop up in the incident because occasionally we have a little surface issue, right? So they they are there. Yeah, but it's not really a scuba accident. Well, this is just. I, mean, this I know this is a subaqua club. Yeah, um, and then like you become an assistant instructor. True. You become a once you become like an open water instructor. Boom! Now we have a huge mm-hmm. increase in the number of incidents that instructors are involved in because you're doing so much more. Right. And then again, much later on, you become a uh, you know what they call a national instructor. Right. These numbers do start to fall because right. you, you're. So much more experience. Well, it's the same as driving. The, the biggest number of drivers getting in accidents is, guess what? Your new, your new drivers. You know, forget that they're dumbass teenagers that a know everything, b don't really know anything. Don't tell me nothing. <laughs> both both of those are true because the the a is they believe they know everything, but we weren't like that. I wasn't. Thankfully, we weren't. I wasn't. It's respectful. I knew my parents were jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> I respect. I respectfully knew my parents were jackasses. Exactly. Well, that's the other side of it. Is I'm like, no, they're jackasses. But I, I do as I'm asked, and I don't give them any lip. That's right. Uh, divers' use of emergency services is also looked at. Normally, the divers' use of emergency services shows a monthly distribution aligned to the distribution of all incidents, and is normally correlated with the number of dives that are taking place. Right, meaning, how often do people call Dan? Well, not as much when they're not diving. Right, so not as, the, as yeah. the dive oh. activity goes up, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. in in comparison, right. or in line with that, do the number of calls? Yeah, a lot of this is going to be pretty, you know, understandable. I guess my thing would be, let's get to the meat of what does it well, say? Where's the good, meat of this see, stuff? This is uh, you, you're right there. I want to get right to the now point. We're getting to what you're jonesing for over there oh, are the wow. fatalities. Well, I don't. It's not that I'm Dr. jonesing. Death, Brando. <laughs> I just want to know me some death. Hey, I want to. I like to look at the. I shouldn't say like. I I prefer to look at the incident so I can say, hey, well, you can kind of see how things happen. Experience is a good teacher in, in the sense of you can if you've been through some things, if you've seen some stuff. Well, I've seen some stuff. Uh, well, I've, seen, I've some seen, stuff. seen some stuff. I'll never be the same. Um, <laughs> I've seen Jamesy in a speedo. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, everybody was happy. And I can't that. Everybody was it. happy that day. You can I can't unsee it. But right, I, I like maybe, to listen. Maybe that's to these. why you haven't been sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> that could be true. So. 
There were 19 fatal incidents that occurred in the UK during the 2017 incident year. Unfortunately, this is the highest number of fatalities recorded since 2004. Now, when we looked at the Dan report last year. That goddamn report. The goddamn report had a... Had a uh, had 127 total fatalities. But again, they're drawing from a much... Bigger pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. uh, the, the BSEC's looking just the UK incidents. Uh, 43 of the Dan reports from last year were USA-Canada related. Okay. And I, I dove back into that a little bit in preparation for today. And the majority of the fatalities that occurred in the Dan report were, if we look at age... In that 40 to 70 mm-hmm. year mark, right? Particularly high in the 50 to 60. Right? So and they're mostly men, older, aren't they? Yeah, and as we, because, uh, and they were Old largely, guys, yeah. yeah, health related. Exactly. Well, it goes to the fact like men, period. Why, especially when we're married, why do <laughs> married men die <laughs> before, before their wives? Wives, right? Well, because they want to. <laughs> 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 These jokes and, never get old. And uh, we also, I also, you know, recapped, you know, to see where these numbers fell. Looked at the depth, and there were two spikes. The one we just talked about, right? That mm-hmm. thirty to sixty feet. There's a spike because everybody's new and they don't know right. what they're doing mm-hmm. yet. And they're they're handed a card with very little information. real skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're out and they get into some trouble. And then there's another big spike in that 90 to 120 foot range, right? Mm. The, the edge of yeah, recreational, recreational diving. There, you're probably going beyond your real ability in the water, thinking mm-hmm. you're better than you are and getting into trouble. Well, because my card says I'm good down to this depth. So I got to go right to the limit today. I know I'm new, but you said I could go there. It says right on this card. Yes says advanced open water. I'm recreationally advanced now. I'm an advanced diver. You're an advanced <laughs> idiot is what you are. <laughs> and then again, the, uh, the, the actual fatality was described as drowning. Cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest, yeah. exactly. Yep. So many heart attacks. So many, yeah. Uh, when in, that doesn't really tell us anything, though, does it? No, because it doesn't tell you what led to yeah. and what caused mm-hmm. that cardiac No arrest. context, no nothing. Right. Just uh... Now, the BSAC report um, hits a couple of key factors that were associated with, the, with these fatalities, and they summarize them in a couple of points. One, the fatalities in 2018 involved divers with an average age of 56. Three of these divers were in their 70s. This continues the previously identified trend of the fatalities occurring in an aging population of divers. Makes sense. Older we get, um, the more health starts more to fatigue. Tell, yeah, but our brain says, "Well, I, it's I more of an ego." Still, yeah, 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 right. I, I mean, me do. personally, I've tailored back my diving way back, and rightfully so. I mean, I, I know I'm not what I was. I, I saw you just come climbing up the steps to get into the office. <laughs> <laughs> when did did you add more steps here, Sonny? <laughs> Goddamn kids in their steps. <laughs> Fifteen. Oh, give me a give me a two. Two. Oh, B. <laughs> 
15 of these cases involved the casualty falling unconscious under or in the water. And um, something that, uh, again, if they were bicycling and they had this cardiac arrest because they were going up Mm -hmm. the hill and had an issue, they'd fall over and the problem could probably be solved. But because they're in the water... Yeah, it's tough to do CPR in the water. It's tough when you have a limited number of people around you to find your dead-ass body. Right, right. Um, You're in gear. You've got to get out of the gear. You're... There's so many things we're and the effects of pressure on on the uh, cardiac system and the pulmonary system. We we still to this day don't know all the effects of breathing gas under pressure. Yeah. I mean we 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 do uh, a lot of practices that came from uh, learning from dead people. Oh, they did this. They died. Don't do it. Not they did this. This is what's going on. This is exactly what's going on with our bodies physiologically. And this is how we can alleviate it. Now, we do know a lot more than we did, but still a lot of diving is we don't do this because people die when, you know, when we talk about O2 toxicity and things like that. We still aren't into the real meat of why. Yeah, yeah. We, we know that other people have perished and we're going to try mm-hmm. to we're going to try to stay as far away right. from that as we, we know that right. occurred. we're going to stay away from that. Not be, we're going to it's not because we're going into it because we have all the facts and know what happened. Right. It's, we just know. Bad things happen to good people. Sometimes good things happen to bad people. Rarely does good things happen to us. We always have to be on... Well, we're the bad things happen to good people <laughs> side. We're on that side. There's two sides of the net there. <laughs> and neither is, you know, completely absolute. Uh, but there are the good things happen to bad people and the bad things happen to good people side. Now, the bad things happening to good people, that's where we're at. The good things happen to bad people, well, basically we've elected them. <laughs> Pay your property taxes, people. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me, another, give me the next one. Oh, and uh, Article 4. No, we're on 3. Article 3. Article 3A. Two of these fatalities have been confirmed as having a significant pre-existing medical condition. Ah, so he's diving with an iron lung. <laughs> Shuddy! <laughs> this BCD won't fit over my iron lung. Goddamn kids and their BCDs. <laughs> Get me a cummerbund extender. <laughs> Get me a, for my iron lung. We got four more points we got to hit. Oh, four more. Four more points. Okay. We're, so, back, to, so, so we're back to F. We did A, B, <laughs> Article 3A. A, 1, 3A. Did so, I do a B? I need a four. You did You did A, B, 3A. Claw, and, uh, and the clause to 4A. And, uh, and so now next. Are we in next, a clause? Next bullet. 4A. 4B. 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 Notably, in the view of the author, there seem to be indicators that immersion pulmonary edema may be a contributing factor in a proportion of these indicated medical fatalities. So immersion pulmonary edema, for those that don't understand, immersion, you're underwater. Underwater. Pulmonary, you're dealing with your your lung and uh, your your lungs basically, and edema means swelling due to like interstitial fluid or fluid really. So edemic type swelling is you get fluid built up, and that can happen from a, a number of things. So basically, you're getting fluid built up in your lungs from being under pressure. Yeah, and you're basically drowning, drowning on in yourself. your on your own in your own uh, fluids. Yeah. Uh, to a certain extent, at least it's hindering your breathing, which, I mean, it only makes sense when the, knowing how our uh, 
pulmonary system works kind of thing in relation to the ambient pressure is that if you increase that I mean, ambient pressure and you, you don't equalize it fully inside, it starts to pool fluids because of the exchange, the blood exchange in the yeah. alveoli. Next bullet. And, and finally, we have... In 11 of the fatalities, the divers either began their dive alone in five cases or became separated in six other cases. Interesting. Something we, we preach about. That's a big factor. Yeah, so it, it's... Again, we, we've said this from the very early days of TGDP. There's a big difference between having a buddy well, in the water yeah. and having a teammate in the water with it. 100% correct. You, people on the same page working together uh, are not the same as two people in the water together. Right? Yes. Two skilled divers working together towards a goal and working as a team. So, you know, it's the same thing in the service. You don't have two people doing you know two separate things together right and then like the opposite of what you just said having two skilled people yeah not working together as a team but what calling themselves buddies is counterproductive in itself it's not the same it's not the same as a team diving together a skilled team diving together right and Um, and the other thing you know you got to point out is just having someone you know, having a partner, having two people diving together doesn't take away the mistake. But what it does do is give you a, a way to fail safely. You can still have the mistake, but at least if you've got a, a, a person watching out with you, a person with you who knows what to do, you have a chance, a lot bigger chance to come home from it well, than sure, if you did Well, sure, but didn't, a lot of right? people will look at that and they'll say, uh, oh, well, he's well, I have, be well, I have a buddy. Well, I have a buddy. I have a pony. Right? I, 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 I got, <laughs> I got, that's why I dive with a buddy. Yeah. But having a buddy in the water that you're going to argue with about the right course of action is different from what we're saying. Well, of being, having that, yeah. having that teammate that you're already mm-hmm. on the same protocol right. it, with. It, it detracts, detracts from the enjoyment of the dive for sure. Okay. Next, next bullet. And finally. Four cases involved divers diving in a group of three or more. And in two of these cases, there was a subsequent separation of the casualty. So here we have divers that are... Start together. (laughs) Start together and then separate. And you have people diving in a three that aren't trained to dive in a three. And they figure if two's good, three's better. And... If you're trained in diving in a team, I would say that, yes, three probably is better. It's a lot better. But if you're not trained, that third person is going to... Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah, Yeah, when the complexity increases, A, it takes away from the enjoyment because now the uh, possibility for a lot more confusion is there, an increased possibility of more confusion. Correct. Uh, so that doesn't. That's not fun. That's never fun, right? No, Where's so and so? He's always up, you know, five feet above you and ten feet behind you. Because he, I need to yeah, keep I'm an eye on everybody. I need yeah. to keep an eye on everybody. I can see you, but nobody knows where the fuck you are. You dumb fucker. I hate people. I mean, that, <laughs> pet peeves. The okay all the time, and the jackhole that wants to sit up above you and behind you. I can't see it, and if I have to keep doing that thing where I turn and look, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody has to die. <laughs> Why'd well, you leave I mean, him? It's, it's I even, didn't like him? It's even as simple as you know, dealing. You, know, you, you introduce an air share in a class 
with three people now mm-hmm. diving together. Right. Two people, they can pull it off pretty easy. You had a third oh. in and, and trying to keep a, a, a clean communication. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I used to love? Falls yeah. Apart. Well, yeah, the the two people, everybody's practiced gas sharing. We know how to do it. We know what we're to throw that third person in there who has practiced gas sharing, and you you're just like, okay, we're gonna go out on a dive, and then you go, you're out of gas, boom, he goes, gets gas. They're they're okay though. Okay. Ah! <laughs> what do I do? The third person is like standing there, doesn't communicate anything to that to the team and then the two people sharing gas just take off the third person sta- sits there looking at you i'm like well what what would you fucking do in real life would you just let him go or would you say i'm here too we're good i'll take you i'll manage the situation since i'm the only one with a cool cool head here probably well according to the BSEC report that guy's gonna stay separated and probably die <laughs> just like they do in the when you're when you get them in class and you go you got to bring it up to him and go listen I'm the not third, just, I'm you not didn't just call, making this up, right? right? <laughs> the third person, you got to jump in there. You're part of the team. The two people sharing gas don't go and live. And oh, where's the third person? He didn't even run out of gas. He's dead. Well, we lost him. No, that's just what they do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we had an out of gas, and one of us died. Oh, the guy who had a gas? No, no. The, well, the a, third person not involved with the gas. Yeah. Drill. Right. Yeah. Right. Well. Um, and, and that's what, and that's what I from mean the outside, yeah. from the outside. Yeah, yeah. And that, well, that's what I mean. Of when you're not trained to dive in a in a three man team, right. Mm-hmm. Right? you're not just adding another set of gas and resources. The, the thing, you're, you're adding another brain, right. and that brain may work in your advantage. Or it, depends on the numbskull you're diving with. There you go. Uh, but and that, and, and that numbskull might not really be a numbskull it's just oh no they don't a, know a, yeah, yeah just, i should point a good point yeah, james yeah. i i i throw that term around a lot i have four kids and then everybody's a numbskull in my head i've i've claimed numbskull title so it's not that i'm a numbskullist i don't call everybody a numbskull but no no you you really got to earn that title. you got to earn it <laughs> and i've done it i trust me and once you get it <laughs> randall's got a t-shirt he's waiting to hand you numbskulls but this is the thing, you know, I, when I did teach fundies, going around teaching trimix instructors, people that have been diving for 20 years, this all seems like so easy and apparent. Like, oh, he's just pointing out stupid shit. Like, we already know. Well, when you're sitting in a classroom with a whiteboard, it's obvious. Yeah. Well, people seem to, you know, instant numbskull, just add water. They get underwater, lose your mask. They'll, they'll just sit there with no mask or, or just blow to the surface. Well, they want to be tech divers. You don't blow to the surface when you lose your mask. You can't blow to the surface when you lose your mask. What do you do? Those are the kind of things. What do you do when there's a gas drill? What does a third person do? It all seems very, very easy on paper. But in reality, when you throw these drills at them, they fucking lose their minds. They don't know what to do. And it's... Because you said it either hasn't it hasn't been introduced to them, they haven't trained for it, they haven't become proficient at it, or you know they're they're not in the game when they're diving. It's an awareness thing, right? I don't know. Yeah, I know yeah. I know we can go off on a tangent here, but okay. So and finally, I would never go off on a tangent. <laughs> but yes, oh, are we finally at yeah. the end? So B B three. <laughs> no, we're in only F. one case is known to have involved a rapid ascent. This fast ascent may not have directly contributed to the fatality. I don't see how it could be good, but... Oh, yeah, right, right. So 
they say all these things. We have one case where the person had to like do a blow and go kind of thing. How we teach, and, and again, this goes back to one of our assertions that the classes today are designed by fucking lawyers, right? Right. So that nobody can claim any uh, kind of uh, fault. We can't blame the agency because the agency taught us how to do a fucking blow and go. Like, I lost all gas and just let my weights go and I blew to the surface. In reality, that's, that's the last thing you ever want to do. That is the last fucking thing. The only time you use that if you have no partner, no nothing, and everything has gone to shit in once, well, like your I, tank's I, exploded on your back. I, yeah, something so obscure right. and, and unbelievable. I would almost put that in the category of it's not even really in the option. It's like right. in, in an appendix. That's exactly what know? I'm getting to. How did you get to this point where you had to just ditch your shit and and just fly to the surface. The only thing I can say is you were diving by yourself and your tank exploded. Boom. I had to go. Okay. Well, that left you no options. Yeah, right. It's, it's almost like the equivalent of, a, of an astronaut having a yeah. problem like outside of the shuttle going, well, I can always fall to Earth. Earth, right. <laughs> I'm going to swim to the swim to the surface. Earth. I, I don't get it, but from a lawyer's standpoint... It's perfectly sane and it's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, we we told him he always had this. So when he drowned, uh, it can't be our fault. He could have ditched his ditched his fucking weights and blew to the surface. But you see, the reality of it is one accident where they actually, ha- in their mind, they had to fly to the surface. And according to BSAC, it may or may not have even contributed to the right, fatality. Right. And they go on to say that. Um Often, it, it there, there's more than one cause, right, that are involved. In each well, of almost these, right? always, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that it's a ninety nine point nine percent. You and I realize yeah. it, but like you, you know, these like science nerds that are putting together all these stats that they're looking at. Well, it's a, it's one of these four columns. Yeah. You know. Well, that's the whole thing. In reality, it's a conglomerate of of all of right. Exactly. It's a recipe. It's not an ingredient. It's a fucking recipe. Disaster lasagna. And always, we always <laughs> circle right back there, don't we? All right, let's talk about some DCI cases here. So the BSAC database contains 48 reports of DCI incidents in the 2018 year. Now, 30% of these involved diving to deeper than 30 meters. 24% involved repeat diving. Okay. 22% involved rapid ascents. 13 involved missed decompression stops, and 11% were within the limits of tables or computers. Really? So when they say that within the limits, does that include maybe exceeding their their ascent rate? I I would say it probably has to do with that. Yeah. It could be, you know, uh, PFO issues. It could mm -hmm. be, um, you know, being outside of the standard that is right. used to create the algorithm, right? Well, it doesn't show their physical condition either, that's what right? I mean, right? Yep. Dehydrated, a week of bar hopping and diving, and they don't dive normally. So they, I haven't dove all year. I'm going down to Cayman, Cozumel, wherever, and you're going to do a week of diving, two dives a day. My computer uh, two, says two I can, boat, my boat charters says day, I four dives a day. Going. Yeah. Well, every day that keeps adding. And if you're doing the normal, 
jackhole ascent rate, right. which which may be a 30 feet per minute, but it still doesn't have any built-in stops to off-gas. And especially, you know, like how we approach diving, especially a week like that. As my week progressed, A, I'd start on 32. And as the week progressed, I would get longer and longer ascent rate, you know, ascent times. I'd be stretching out that that shallow stop and uh, off-gassing because you build up over the whole week. Wait, so you're first dive of the week <laughs> and your fifth dive of the day five days <laughs> in, you're, you're not gonna have the exact uh, same profile, exactly but you're gonna be able to think beyond just what that algorithm is flashing on your computer oh good point jamesy yeah well that's what we teach isn't it thinking divers think use your goddamn head because that computer doesn't know you and it doesn't know what you've been doing all week you know aka partying up every night and just know your physical condition reminds me uh-oh i gotta get to happy hour st <laughs> <laughs> patty's day <laughs> that's right uh boating and you and your i forgot your irish heritage <laughs> coming out celebrate the land of my people <laughs> uh boating and surface incidents the number of incidents involving boating and surface issues reported in 2018 was 37 so those come under diving incidents, but it could be a, a jackhole boater. Correct. I was diving and I got ran over by a boat because right. the guy didn't see my dive flag. Right. Kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Right. Ascent-related issues. Um, Ascent-related incidents. That's a mouthful. Ascent-related incidents had been falling in recent years. However, with 31 such cases reported in 2016, 44 cases reported in 2017, and 42 in 2018, the number seems to be stabilizing. The factors which led to rapid ascents include primarily... Happy hour. We're missing happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done. 82%. No, not, not, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're underwater like it's, oh, it's fucking happy hour starting. I gotta go. I'll breathe some O2 at the bar. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. 82%. Panic. Anxiety and a rush for the surface okay. makes total sense, mm -hmm. right? Uh, people having this mindset of I'm underwater, I'm uncomfortable, something's not going right. Mm -hmm. Get me to the fucking top now, right, right. right now. And that's it's, it's, it's. I mean, even in some of some very skilled and experienced divers, when when the recipe that's before them is not from a cookbook that they've looked at before right they they get this confusion and the confusion just erases thought thought because rational thought, they're, yeah. they're so programmed to just follow the the prescription mm -hmm. not to think through it that they panic and they go get me to the top that's where safety right. is right and that's where that thinking diver comes in he yeah you're not naturally you know able to breathe underwater so in order to overcome that during an emergency you need to train that out of you you need to right. Train that instinct to to go, to blow and go. So, again, we go back to, well, fortunately, tech diving trains you. Like, you can't blow and go. You're, you're not. You're able to do that. Cave diving, no. You're going to have to solve everything down here. So, you lose a mask. You, you Whatever. You lose your partner. You lose your lights. You, you're having gas issues. You lose your computer slash depth gauge timer. What are you going to do? You lose the line. What are you going to do? You can't just blow and go. Right. 
So you got to learn. Don't panic. Think. I still have gas, whatever. If I don't have gas, I got to get gas. 73% poor buoyancy control. That's weird. That's hmm. weird. Hmm. So just nobody could ever see that coming. <laughs> Hell no, because you blew right by them on your way to the surface. Yes. Flailing, looking for your, your hitting the inflator on your Air McDoodle instead of the dump button on your Air McDoodle. <laughs> you go or corking to the surface at 100 miles an right. hour. Trying to control your buoyancy with an Air McDoodle in your mouth as yeah. you're trying to share gas with your buddy on a two foot long hose. Yeah. Yeah, that works well. Have you ever seen that? Oh, I've seen I, it. I, the thing is, yeah, I, I I don't mean you, James, because I know we've seen it. But to the instructors out there using that stupid shit, that it it sounds great, one less hose. It's not in reality. When you need it, it it is one of the worst configurations you can have. Yeah, I'm critical of them. Thirty six percent equipment problems. Twenty seven percent delayed SMB problems. Meaning blowing a marker, marker bag, bag and, right. and it getting wrapped around your wrist and shooting you to the surface along or the way. Getting, or, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> or getting stuck in the line, yeah, with yeah, your valve, yeah, yeah. Your, your tank valve and whatnot. Yeah, so again, I mean, that's, uh, you know, the, it's great that the, the marker bags are becoming so mm-hmm. much more popular nowadays that people have them out there. Right. But if you don't know what you're doing with them... It's a it's, it's a, a fucking potential risk. It's, it's a, a danger. It's your man. worst nightmare in a, in a danger. Will Robinson, area. danger. Can you throw that little? You can put a little danger. Will Robinson in there. Danger. Will Robinson. Danger. Thanks, robot. Twenty seven percent. You know, I think they could have came up with a better name for robot other than robot. What should we call him? The gravi- The gravitron. Robot. <laughs> the gravitron. <laughs> Thanks, gravitron. Danger. That's danger. Good. Will. Danger. James Mott. Thanks, gravitron. Twenty-seven percent involved an out of air, out of gas situation, or so, perceived. Is it uh, is it actual or they, perceived? Uh, well, they might get into that when we actually oh, get okay. into the into the studies themselves. Yeah. But it's it's classified as an out of air right, gas. Right. So they panic. Right. Don't know where their buddy is, or they're unable to share air, or they get into an air sharing situation, like you said, mm-hmm. and they have an issue with the air McDoodle or the, the, the tiny little 28-inch hose right. you know, that they've donated because the other guys on the, on the air McDoodle slips yeah. out and they, they lose control and pop to the and they're, they're holding the, the thing is they're holding on to their, their air source with just their mouth, their jaw, right? They don't hold on to each other. They don't hold on to the, the hose. And you're watching this going... I don't know. I, I shouldn't be so critical, but when you well, when you're trying reality, to teach it, you, you got to go. Did my did the instructor even teach you anything? Well, they they swim up up to each other and they yeah. they basically crash a, a regulator yeah. in and they're bumping and grinding and then they've they've gone into a vertical position and they're kicking yeah. and fighting and by the time they even get the 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 breathing device sorted out, yeah. They're on the surface already. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> they then they put it in their mouth on the still, surface. Yeah, they're still I know. trying to like breathe through. They're like, you got the whole world above you right now, where your head is. And then they have a sore shoulder. Right. <laughs> well, that's a... hmm, maybe I could have done things differently. I think the the thing, Jamesy, is people think it's so it's so simple as well. You just give them your spare regulator. But especially right. you know if you looked at it from the outside, just give them your spare regulator. Underwater, it's not that easy. You ever see somebody go up to somebody? I'm, I tell a, a student, you're out of gas, you go to that guy. I'm out of gas, he goes over, and the guy pulls his octo out and holds it to him. But it's underneath his mask. He can't see it. 
They're just staring at each other. Oh, right. And you have to reach in there and go and put it in his face and go put that in your goddamn fucking mouth, dumbass. Oh, when when people are not on their knees on a training platform, right? And you go, let's do You're the out of air drill, right? Yeah. Um, when they're just swimming along and there's an air. I mean, I've seen them where they they like put their hands up like stop like no 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 you can't do that now yep uh 17 percent involved waiting or weight related issues waiting for what waiting waiting to get to happy hour waiting to exhale <laughs> waiting ticks nine percent free flows and another 9% dry suit or BCD control malfunction or misuse of dry suit control issues. So, so just not knowing how to use your gear. We're not practiced at it. They know how, but they didn't do they, it. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they were shown, and yeah. then they, they, they weren't able to correlate that into reality. That, well, that's yeah. a big problem that people have. Is they do it a, mm-hmm. you know, once or twice in the pool for the instructor, mm-hmm. and then they get out into the real world under a real circumstance, mm-hmm. not sitting down with your instructor giving you right. a signal, and they don't have the experience to correlate yeah, to that into real mm-hmm. action. Yeah, 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 I hear you there. I, I concur. A significant number of reported fast ascents were due to panic and a rush for the surface and buoyancy control issues continue to feature. Well, buoyancy control issues pop up when you panic because buoyancy control takes a certain amount of focus and attention, especially if you're not practiced at it to to where it's second nature. So they mentioned uh, IPO. We have previously highlighted... In this report, the growing belief that instances of immersion pulmonary edema in divers may not be as rare as previously considered. They say divers with breathing difficulties when not exercising, particularly strenuously, breathing difficulties may have indicated by rapid, uneven, or heavy breathing or coughing uncontrollably. Confusion, swimming in the wrong or random directions has led to pulmonary edema because of you know that additional unexpected hard work. Mm-hmm. Inability to carry out normal functions while appearing to have to concentrate on breathing. Belief that a regulator is not working properly. The the the, the fame can't the, get you know, enough over, gas. Yeah, uh, over know, breathing. It. Yeah, yeah. No. Um. Indication of out of gas when their regulators are found to be working correctly, like what you mentioned earlier, that perceived out of gas. Right. Divers refusing or rejecting an alternate air source when out of gas and an indication of difficulty of breathing when on the surface. They mentioned that in regards to rescue and resuscitation techniques, evidence is presented that where a controlled buoyant lift was used the technique was successful at recovering the casualty to the surface in 78% of the cases and in the cases where an alternate air source of gas was used the technique was successful in 85% of incident reports it is reassuring that even when under the stress of an occurring incident the techniques taught by diving agencies to assist their buddy to the surface are successful in the majority of cases. The suspicion is that these success rates are a large underestimation of the actual success rate. So, they made it to the surface. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, these are the conclusions of this BSAC report. You ready? Okay. One, the number of incidents reported has plateaued over the last four to five years. That's good. 
We understand that. But they're still there, and it's the same. It's plateauing, it's same yeah. Plateau. So and, no changes have been made, really. Right. Or at least no changes have come to effect. Yeah. The monthly reporting trend follows the now usual pattern identified over the previous four years, where the number of incidents rises in the spring to a peak over the summer and declining again in the autumn and winter months. Right, that makes sense. We talked about mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. That's the uh, the yeah. that's when people are diving. Yeah. The Logical. nineteen fatalities in the UK are unfortunately higher than average for the previous ten years. The six fatalities of BSAC members is comparable with the average of the previous 10 years. The 13 fatalities of non-BSAC members is above average of the previous 10 years. I would assume that that's probably more people going over to dive in, in those those areas of the UK. Like mm-hmm. Colder water, dry suits are getting more popular. People are getting more trained, going to dive some of those cool cold water wrecks for, for something new and different to do. So right. they're probably getting more activity. There were three fatalities of divers over the age of 70, and the average age of the divers who died was 55.8, like we talked earlier, that that age range. There are still strong indications for likely medical causes, including immersion pulmonary edema, from the description of the incident in some of the fatalities, although this has yet to be confirmed. So we're still learning there. True. Two of the incidents have been confirmed by medical assessment as involving immersion pulmonary edema in the casualty. Both survived by immediately leaving the water and attending hospital. A further 20 incidents have been identified where IPO is suspected of being a factor from the synopsis. Diver age and potential related health and fitness issues are still featuring and may be critical factors in this and recent year's fatalities. Most definitely, I would have to say, as we've discussed. Incidents of DCI have shown a reversion to levels of recent years, and this may illustrate a leveling off of these incidents. An analysis of efficacy of the diver rescue techniques of controlled buoyant lift and air sharing show that even in an incident scenario, these techniques are deployed with a high chance of success and lives saved. And an analysis of the resuscitation techniques implemented by divers when the casualty is unconscious and not breathing gives indication that while our numbers are small, the recovery rates are comparable with the less than 10% reported by the Resuscitation Council for Bystander CPR. Hmm. So giving first aid in a diving accident is about as good as giving first aid in any other other accident. accident. Right. Good. As uh, been stated over the 50 years of the annual report, most of the incidents reported within this document could have been avoided had those involved followed a few basic principles of safe diving practices. Like listening to the last 104 episodes of (laughs) TGDV, right? You can only get better from that. And uh, finally, uh, remember... You can never have too much practice of successful techniques. Now, they say such as controlled buoyant lift and alternate air source techniques. But uh, knowing how to get your buddy to the surface and uh, getting them gas are, are, are certainly things that shouldn't just be taught in your open water class and never touched upon again. Again, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of our biggest critiques of the whole freaking industry. And that's, again, it goes to... They're greedy little bastards. It's all greed. It's all about money, not about substance. 
Because if it was about substance, you make the class a little longer, you'd throw in some more practice. You'd make sure that mastery is actually mastery. Not, oh, he did it once or twice. Showed me he could do it from 20 feet in the quarry. Yeah, Now I, he's good to go. And I get that. And, and that's where I keep going back to um, there's a difference between getting a certification and becoming a diver. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I, the, the problem that I have with the industry is they give somebody a license, a, a, a certification, and they Here's tell them they're a diver. Here's but really, a they they should be holding a dive master's hand for a long time with the level of instruction that they've received. They haven't with re- that level, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah they uh, should be stuck at thirty not, feet. Uh, right, right. I'm not saying that the, we, these people shouldn't be getting certifications, but there should be something that really shows them the reality of the training of their that certification, they have, and right. that's that's what we we come back to all the time. So, well, dude. That's a long episode. Reach into your pocket and pull out that spare air, buddy, because you're, you're going to need that thing. I hope, I hope you got more than just one, because this is where we we're only, staying down. Our sack rates are so low. You're supposed to say, how low are How they? low do they go? <laughs> our sack rates are so this, this is gonna This is going to be a long, uh, an extended range dive. There we will. go. All right. We're going to be in, uh, this is a deep air dive. Are you breathing the nitrox? I'm breathing the devil's mix, baby. All right, people. So uh, we'll come back to you next week for some more fun and adventure and statistics. No, no, we're going to get into incidents. Fuck we're going we're to get into the incidents next okay, time. Okay, good. Because right. we got through the statistics. Yeah. Some people let, dig that stuff out, not me. Peace out. Ciao. Safe diving. We're calling a, a, a girl, uh, uh, what do they call him? Lass. No, 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 no. There's another name. Like, they call us blokes. I'm a bloke. I, I don't take any offense to being called a bloke. No. But the Brits told me, oh, it's not a, me and my blokes is cool. But if you say that bloke over there, like it's like, uh, well, that it's kind of like he's making a move on your girl or something. Is a bloke. But girls call other, call guys blokes and it's okay. Sheila's. It's she, that's down under, <laughs> Sheila, mate. No, what is it called? Come on, uh, work with me. Hang on, hang on. Let's, oh, we got to finish this.